Welcome to a special episode of the Zach Costuro Show. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Today is New Year's Day as I share this. And I wanted to do this special episode because I keep hearing, and I'm sure you do, and, and maybe you've said it, that I can't wait for 2020 to be over, um, sort of implying that 20, 2021 is somehow going to be much different. And surely we all hope that 2021 is different. But at least from my perspective, and maybe you share this, maybe you don't. If you don't, maybe just consider it. Not, not saying that it's necessarily correct. I don't have a crystal ball and I don't pretend to. But, you know, I, I look back at 2020 and like I've said in, in previous videos, I mean, probably the craziest year of my life, at least that I can can remember, at least in terms of its, at least in terms of how it went in totality. It was a wild year, and I think that we have seen the world and America change faster than probably any of us ever thought was possible, frankly. I mean, when you look back at January of 2020 and where we were and what, what our goals were and what we were thinking about and some of the things that we were squabbling over, uh, many of them were, were important, certainly, but, but they pale in comparison, I think, to what we're dealing with now. I mean, between riots and social issues and monetary issues and pandemic issues and all of the different things that took place in one year. And to, to look at where we are today, January 1st, 2021, and, and what we have in front of us, is frankly just a different world. It's a different, it's a different reality. And so what I wanted to share here today, because I, I started posting these videos and hopefully someday they'll they'll make it out there to more people and and, and hopefully help at least further the conversation so that we can hopefully work together to solve some complicated issues. But but in the in the little bit of, of viewership that we've had so far. You know, I've had I've had several people reach out to me. I mean, and, and it's been really great. Um, and that's really the purpose for me to even do this is is to hopefully get people thinking and, and get us talking and get us mobilizing. And 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 of the people that have reached out to me, I would say the vast majority have said, Zach, I literally do not know what to do. I am either disgusted or discouraged or frustrated or scared or sad. Or, or whatever, and I just, but I don't know what to do. What is the action item? What is the action step? How do we take our country back? How do we take our cities back? And so I go back to this connotation that 2021 is inherently somehow going to be different than 2020, and I would say it's not. It's not unless we stand up and do something about it, unless we go out and say, I want my country back. This is not the vision of the country that, that we collectively, that we in the majority want to see. And that doesn't matter if you're maybe a little left or a little right or whatever. That's like, you know, I keep having this conversation. It's like there are certain issues that we can fight about another day. But right now, what we should be fighting about, the issues that we all should be fighting for is like freedom and liberty, first of all. Because once you lose that, it's over. So we want to have the freedom and liberty to live our lives, first and foremost. You look at, you look at that and you say, well, they're not just going to give it back. I, I, we talk about this all the time. Once they pass a law that takes freedom and liberty away, you don't usually get it back. Because usually it took someone dying or a lot of people dying to get it in the first place called war. 
Now, nobody wants to go back to war. So we better mobilize, we better organize, and we better start making a stink collectively in the places that we need to in 2021 to say we want our freedom and liberty back so that we don't end up in a war someday, so that we don't end up with civil conflict. And, and I know nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to talk. It's the, it's the truth. Look at where we're headed. We got to stand up. And yes, we can do it. We can do it the right way. At least I hope we can. But it has to become a priority, maybe the priority of 2021. So I think freedom and liberty, that, that, that should be the thing that all Americans, whether you're liberal or conservative, no matter what you are, that's what we should be fighting for. I've said it in a previous video. If, if you're on the, on the winning team right now in terms of the, the cultural narrative or the monetary narrative or whatever, and, and you're okay with speech being squelched and you're okay with your opposition being dictated to, it's a very dangerous slope because if and when the folks you don't agree with get into power, they will do the same thing and then you won't like it. That's why America was founded the way it was so that hopefully we never found ourselves in that position. There was at one point, you've probably heard it, give me liberty or give me death. We as a spoiled American civilization seem to have forgotten the price that was paid for liberty and freedom, something that was very unique, a constitutional republic, something very unique that great men and women died to give us. And we're just, frankly, pissing it away. And so I don't want this message. That's not the point of this message, though, is not to be discouraging or, or agitating. It's to say, listen, for those of us who believe that freedom and liberty are important, those of us who believe that the rule of law matters, that a constitutional republic is founded on law, on, on adhering to a law, and, 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 and the Constitution mainly that there are God-given rights that even if the angry mob of the majority wants to take away, that you cannot take them away. If we believe that, here's what I think we need to do in 2021. And I'm working with some people and hopefully we can, hopefully we can be a part of, of something that grows to be large enough to make a difference. But this is what I think we need to do because this is what the other side does so well. First, we need to organize. We've got to organize because we have to have a database of people who want to see change. We, we have to know who they are. We have to communicate with them regularly. That's part of why I do this. That's part of why I want people to subscribe. Um, that's part of why I want the interaction because we have to know who each other are. We have to communicate regularly, right? We have to build momentum. So the first thing is we have to organize. We have to, we have to know who we are. We have to talk to each other. The second thing is we have to mobilize, right? Like, so I think of it this way. You have local elections, you have local politics, then you have state politics, and then you have federal politics. Everyone focuses on the federal, some people on the state, very few on the local. As I said in my last video, I think we need to start locally 
take your three or five or seven or however many it is city council folks that you have or county commissioners or whatever they're called where you live and start getting behind candidates that are normal people, not ideological nut jobs and, and financially support them, organize around them, take time out of our day to go to the meetups or the rallies or whatever it, it might be. And listen, if we have a database of people where we live and there's enough people on them, normal people like us who have jobs and families and all those things where we don't have time to spend every Tuesday at a council meeting or whatever, if we have enough people, we can delegate responsibility so that somebody is always there. So we always have a presence because the other sides always have a presence. The, the, the crazy people are always there. The normal people are almost never there. And we need to be there. And we can't be there if we don't know who we are and we're not communicating and we're not mobilizing. And so I would say we need to mobilize on a local level, first and foremost. And then we need to mobilize on the state level. And then we need to mobilize on the national level. And I think that if anything has been made clear in 2020 that we should take into 2021, it's that the grassroots, grassroots efforts are the ones that are going to make the biggest difference. If you look back, I believe it was Ronald Reagan when he ran for president the first time. I may be mistaken, but I don't think I am here. I believe he was the first candidate that ever really raised the, the majority of their funds from grassroots effort, people giving like $50 to $250. And he, and he took the country by storm. Donald Trump actually, to a degree, uh, did some of that. But I think that we need to do that. We need to go out. Like, I live in Olympia, Washington. I, I see it every day. I see the political agenda in our city. I see the political agenda in our state. And then I see all these people, myself included, who are like, what the hell is going on? Like, I don't believe in any of that stuff. I, I, I think that, yeah, maybe some of that is worth being part of the agenda and part of the conversation, but like take the homeless thing that we talked about last time. I mean, you legitimately have most people in power in these places that are unwilling, completely unwilling to admit the fact, the fact that so much of what we are seeing is because of drugs, drug addictions, and mental health problems. They're just unwilling to admit it. They think that, no, if we just give them housing, it'll fix all the problems. Well, listen, you probably have never been an addict and you probably don't have anybody in your family who's an addict. Because if you did, you would know that that's not true. Putting a roof over somebody's head doesn't solve the underlying problem of homelessness in most cases. Now, for the folks that are actually like what we would traditionally have called homeless, people that are couch surfing or sleeping in their cars, they're out there, they're trying to work and do it and find a job. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the visibly homeless people building camps on the streets, the vast majority of whom are, are addicted to drugs. They're killing themselves. And if we aren't willing to admit that that's what's happening and treat them accordingly, hell, that's why the problem keeps getting worse. So we need to mobilize to get people into positions of leadership so that we can start to change the tide. Like, listen, when you go in the Bible, even if you don't necessarily, if you're not a Christian, but like the Bible has example after example after example after example of civilizations thriving when they have good leaders and then civilizations dying when they have bad leaders. 
And listen, we're at a place where in so many areas, we don't even have leaders. We don't have anybody who's willing to look at the decisions they've been making and the outcomes of those decisions and how they're not lead this, this, the decisions aren't leading to the outcomes and they're not humble enough to step back and say, maybe, maybe my position's wrong. That's called maturity. Like we live in a society where if you change your mind over time, that's a problem. And I'm going, I think that's called maturity. What, what is the scientific method about? It's about having a hypothesis, trying to prove the hypothesis, wrong or right, whatever, and then determining if your hypothesis led to the outcome you thought it would, I think, basically. I'm not a scientist, but that's what I remember. You get the point. Now, But in political leadership, we have these people who think, I'm just going to do this because I think it's going to lead to that. And because somebody in, a, in an organization told me that would happen. Even though I don't actually have any, in a lot of cases, practical experience in that field. And then the outcome gets worse. And they go, oh, double or nothing. I think if we just do more of the same, it will get better. And then it gets worse again. And literally, we don't have people who are humble enough, who are, are mature enough to say, I was probably wrong. And you know what? I think we should try something else. And so if we have leaders who are unwilling to, to humble themselves and to go in a different direction and to try and learn and to try and do something different, we have to replace them. We have to replace them with people who are willing to make hard choices. Like, listen, if you want to run for city council or state legislator in a place like where I live and you have the, the audacity to state what is blatantly obvious about, let's say, addiction, it's going to be a tough road. And that's why people like us need to come behind you and say, we got your back. Because we're looking every day at the reality of where those policy decisions are leading us. And maybe some of us will have to be those people. <laughs> I mean, that's the crazy reality. I had a, I had a, a business partner one time. I'll never forget, I was brand new in my business and he was my partner and he was much older and had much more experience than me. And he took me to a chamber of commerce meeting and they were doing a state of the union or whatever. And, and they had these different elected officials from the different jurisdictions in our, in our county. And they were asking them about, you know, what are we doing for the next year? What does the future look like? What are your policy objectives? And then the, 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 the folks in the audience would get to ask some questions. And, and I can remember listening to the answers and I'm just going, man, it just doesn't seem like, like those folks are very in touch with reality. And this partner of mine at the time says, well, Zach, you got to remember, if you refuse to run for office, you'll be ruled most, most of the time by idiots. And now I don't, I don't know that I want to go out. I, I've tried very hard in these videos. I'm, I'm not here to name call or, or do whatever, but I do think that we need to shine light on the truth. And the truth of, of the matter is, for all of us, myself included, who are going, what do we do? What do we do? We see the problems, they look obvious. We see that the solutions that they've proposed aren't solutions at all, they're actually compounding the problem. What do we do? I think we have to think long and hard about who runs for office. And then we have to have people. We have to have people in, in grassroots fashion rallying around them saying, <clears throat> excuse me, we're taking America back. 
Like, look at what is legitimately happening in California right now. California's got five laws going into effect today that are basically the craziest laws I have ever... I, I literally didn't think that was possible in America. And, you know, Washington's always lagging behind California by a year or two or three. Oregon, the same. And how's that working out, California? How's that working out? Not California leadership, because I don't think they care. I think it's part of what they really want to see. But California residents, how's it working out? How are the lockdowns working out? I mean, rich people, really, really rich people are just getting richer and richer and richer. And regular people are getting poorer and poorer and poorer. The little guy, me and you and all of our friends, we're getting poorer in most cases. Our livelihoods are being stripped away. Our power that was granted to us in the Constitution is being stripped. And it's like, at some point, we have to come together and say, all right, that's enough. We're done. We're not playing this game. Like, think about this. Why the heck are we still paying property taxes? Which primarily, I mean, the bulk of those in most jurisdictions goes to pay for public schools. And yet, like in Washington, they're not really open. So why are we still paying property taxes? Oh, and why are the property taxes still going up? I mean, guys, this is crazy. And it takes a few good people to start a movement because it takes courage. It takes courage. Like, I remember when, I've said this before, but I remember playing sports and you're on a team and you have a coach and you just, nobody likes the coach. And the coach is having you do stupid things and nobody likes it. And always in the locker room, there's this conversation of like, what if we all just came together and said, we're not doing that. He couldn't make us do it. And we would have, we could take all the power back. And yet nobody ever had the guts to collectively do it. But if one or two or three or four of the people on the team said, let's do it. And if they could get the rest of their teammates to have the courage to do it, they could make some change. And we've seen it happen in times like where maybe a coach is legitimately abusing his players. And finally, somebody stands up. And then another, and another, and another, and another. And before you know it, the coach is either fired or in jail. That's what we have to do here. And we better do it fast. I don't know what's going to happen in Georgia in five days or six days. And in some ways, I don't know that it really matters. I mean, it, it matters. <laughs> but I think no, no matter how it goes we still have to do the same thing. And I think we got to do it fast. So if you're interested in joining and being a part of it, please hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this or watching this. Please leave a comment. Please hit the like button. Whatever, it, whatever. all those things, the like buttons especially, help these kinds of messages get out to more people. And so if you're sitting there saying, what can I do? And maybe I'm not ready yet to say it myself. Well, hit the like button. Like, start there. And I'm not trying to do this to promote myself. I'm literally just saying, like, your first step in, in having the guts to do something right here, right now, is just hit the like button. Because the algorithms will say, okay, people like this. And then they'll share it. Actually, if you don't like it, hit the don't like button. I don't care, because that helps too, oddly enough. But the reality is, like, you got to maybe start small, try something. And I know, like, I already know that there's a lot of people watching this because I can go in and, I mean, not a lot in the grand scheme of things, but there's a good, decent amount of people watching this. 
because I can see the analytics. And we get some likes and we get some comments from the brave souls. I appreciate that. But most people, and that's true in any event, but nonetheless, most people don't hit it. Don't hit the like. Don't hit the share. Well, why is that? Well, a lot of people, it's because they're afraid that if I share this based on what he's talking about and people in my community see and they don't agree, they'll judge me. And that might put me in a bad light in my business or in my, my, my sphere or whatever. This is what I'm saying. It doesn't matter anymore. If we want to start to change the outcomes, we all have to have the guts to start saying something. Either, by, either we personally are saying something or we're sharing, we're promoting, we're getting behind what we believe in. And maybe you watch this and you don't agree, and that's fine. I mean, I, I'm not saying, I keep saying this, but it's like I don't have all the answers. But what I, the answer, what answer I think I do have is that what we're watching is not good. <laughs> when one man or one woman in a state with, let's say, 7.6 million people like Washington can, without ever addressing Congress for 10 months, lay down edict after edict after edict, that takes away your and my freedom without any conversation from any of the people who were paid and elected to represent us, when that is allowed to happen for 10 months, that's a problem. That's a real problem. And if people like us don't stand up and say, listen, like, and you might be somebody who even agrees with the lockdowns. Okay. You might be somebody who believes with mask mandate and all that. That's fine. But listen, the way that progress that's good for people, most like that's actually good for us as a civilization. The way that that kind of progress takes place is called having a conversation. Like, listen, if you're in a marriage, right? And you wanna go like traditional, and let's say you think that you're a man and you're supposed to be able to tell your wife whatever, and she's supposed to submit. How healthy of a marriage are you gonna have? Not very healthy, wife's gonna be miserable. You're going to be a jerk, most likely. Because why? Because most people are inherently not good people when they have unlimited power. And you have all these people who would believe that. No, that's not how marriage should go. Then why the hell should government go that way? You got one guy, one lady, dictating to their people, their 7 million plus people, how to live their lives with no say from no representative? Come on. It's not America. No, instead, a marriage should work like this. Even in a traditional marriage, which is what I believe in. The Bible says, husband, love your wives like Christ loved the church. What did Christ do when he loved the church? He died for her. He died. He loved the church, his wife, his bride, so much that he laid down his life. He seeked not his own. And yet it says, wife, submit to your husband. And people have twisted that and turned that into some sick, disgusting thing because, why? Well, because most men don't love their wives like Christ loved the church, and instead they want to rule and lord over their lives, which is not what the Bible says to do. And so you have this perverted picture of what God called us to do in our marriages. And then the world says, well, I don't want that. That looks terrible. That looks like totalitarianism. I agree, because that's not how it's supposed to be. Instead, it's supposed to be where a wife loves and cherishes his wife so much he seeks not his own and yet still is willing to lead. Still is willing to lead. And a wife knows that her husband 
loves her so much that when he says, I really think we should go this route, she's willing to submit because she knows he's not doing it on his own accord. Well, listen, folks. In most cases, if you do a marriage like that, it's a good marriage. And in the government, that's how it should be. You have representatives that we elect because we think they represent how we look at the world. We send them on our behalf as part of a body that has dialogue and conversation about issues that really matter. And they squabble back and forth and they negotiate and they give and they take. And then they produce law. And that law is the best sort of compromise that we can come up with. It's worked for a long time. Not perfectly, not by any stretch of the imagination, but sure as hell better than what we're seeing now. What we're seeing now is that husband who thinks he can tell his wife to do whatever he wants and he never has to talk to her and she just has to listen to him. Governor Inslee has not addressed Congress, at least not that I know of, last I was told, for 10 months. 10 months. That's not America. It's not America. And it's time that we organize, that we mobilize, and that we start making a change. And again, I'll say it again. I think we, I don't know how this works. I, I'm, not, I'm not in the political sphere. But we have to start by taking these executive powers away. Not completely, but limiting them drastically. Because if we want to have government that represents like a healthy marriage as the analogy, <laughs> you can have a governor. You should have a governor. Somebody with the guts to lead. Even if the guts to lead means it doesn't look like what I would think or what I would do. I'm okay with that. But what you should have is a governor who's willing to talk to his bride, so to speak. Who's willing to listen and lay down his life and have some guts. Have some guts to face people that don't agree with him. And hopefully have some leadership and persuasion skills. And hopefully some data and science to persuade them in a dialogue as to what is best. And he's not going to convince everybody, but, but listen, if you can get 200 people in the room or whatever it is in your state, in your legislative branch, and he can get the majority of them to vote, I can live with that because that's how it's supposed to work. So anyway, I got fired up this time. Um, this stuff, it does fire me up because I think that, as I stated in my last video, humans don't thrive in totalitarian environments. Humans thrive when we have freedom. And if you believe in that, if you're looking around saying, I don't know how we got here, I don't know what to do, but I do know that this scares me. I do know that what I'm seeing is not good. I do know that I don't want my kids, my grandkids, or myself to see what this will look like if we continue to go down this path, then by God, it's time to take a stance. So start making videos. Start having conversations. Start making phone calls. Hit the like buttons. Hit the share buttons. Get the message out. Go to rallies. Do, all, do whatever you can to put your flag in the ground and to say, this is, this is what I stand for and this is what I don't stand for. That's what America's about. We can be like those players on the team. If enough of us stand up and say, listen, whoa, we, you don't get to do this to us. We have a chance to make change.
And so here's how I want to close this out. I did not expect to go this long. I'm sorry. We can do all that. And as Christians, like I said in my last video, we have to do it still not expecting to control the outcome. Okay? We have to do it in a way where we partner with God to speak the truth, to advocate for the truth, no matter what the cost, because he is Lord, not Governor Inslee, not Donald Trump, not Joe Biden, not any of them. Jesus is Lord. And so we partner with him to shine light on the truth. We leave the outcome to him, right? And if we lose in the here and now, we got to have faith. We got to have faith. And listen, Maybe you don't believe, maybe you're watching this and you're like, I think you're crazy, Zach. I think people who believe in Jesus and God and all this stuff are crazy. I would say, okay. You have the freedom. God gives you the freedom to believe that. And that's okay. I hope that someday you'll change your mind. I'm not here to force you to do so. But I'll say this. So many of the things that we're watching right now were predicted in a book written by 40 different authors over the span of like 4,000 years, right? And I know you can go on the Discovery Channel and the History Channel and all these other channels and you can find all this stuff about how the book's been changed and this and that. I would encourage you to maybe look at some alternative sources about all of that stuff. But here, even if you don't do that, listen, the Bible predicted a one-world currency. It did. And we're heading that way. It predicted a digital currency. And guess what? We're heading that way. It predicted a one-world government. And guess what? We're heading that way. It predicted so many things that we're watching right here, right now. And so as, as Christians, we're looking at this and we're saying we're going to fight for freedom. We're going to fight for truth. We're going to fight to love our neighbor because contrary to what the culture will tell you, letting your neighbor who's addicted to drugs living on the street continue to just do that and just keep giving them needles and more drugs so they can kill themselves. That ain't love. That's compassion, but it's twisted and perverted compassion and it's not love. Instead, like we're going to actually love them. And we're going to say, if you keep doing that, you're going to die and your soul and your spirit and you as a person are more important than that. You're more valuable than that. And so we're, we're going to have to maybe do something you don't like, but it's for your good. There's a proverb in the Bible and it says, Basically, that the parent who fails or refuses to discipline their child hates their child. Hates their child. In America, you love your child if you just let them do whatever the heck they want. The Bible says, if you don't discipline your child, you hate them. I agree. I agree because look at where not disciplining people, not holding people accountable. Let's look at where it gets us. It gets us to complete anarchy. It gets us to complete chaos. It gets us to where people are dying and they're starving and they're addicted to drugs. And until we are willing to stand up and say, I'm not going to keep trying to do it my way, the way that seems right to a man. I'm going to do it the way that God said. And God said that if we really want to love someone, you have to have rules and discipline. You have to guide them in the right way. That's love. I think we're there, folks. And I think that going back to what I was trying to finish on, it's like we as Christians know that we will try and fight for the things that we believe are true. And in the end, we, we don't win that battle because we end up being gone. And, and I know for those who are not Christians, that sounds insane. You know what else sounds insane? 
Everything that I've watched in 2020, everything is insane. And so I would just say that, again, we, we got to stand up. We got to fight the good fight. We got to do it the right way. We can't resort to doing it the world's way, destroying cities, name calling, um, lashing out in unrighteous anger. We can't do it. That's not how Jesus did it. We got to do it the Jesus way. I mean, to the best of our ability. And when we fail and screw up, which we will and we do, we ask for forgiveness. Uh, and we go out the next day, not discouraged, but trying to do it better. And I think that at the end of the day, the church is called to be the light in the world. And when the world gets dark and dark and dark, the light shines brighter. And so I think right now is our chance to shine. And I think we can start by shining the light of freedom. I think that we can start by whole, like legitimately think about this. In 10 months, your neighbor has gotten poorer, most likely. Your neighbor has less certainty around their ability to pay their bills, buy food, keep their home. But Jeff, Jeff Bezos, his, his net worth, even after a divorce, is like triple or double and a half. Bill Gates, who for some reason is the oracle of everything now, same deal. Listen, that's not good because all these governments have enacted policies when they say that they fight for you, the little guy. And those policies have not led to your good, your future, your certainty, your opportunity, your prosperity. No, instead they've ripped that from you and they've given it to the Bezos and they've given it to the Gates. And even I, I, I've learned so much in my life from Warren Buffett. I appreciate the man as an investor. But in this case, same deal for him, right? I heard a stat. I don't, I don't know. I didn't research to find out if it's true, so it may not be. But the stat said that 100 years ago, about 70% of Americans were in some way, shape, or form self-employed. Today, it's less than 25 and you know what I thought when I heard that stat? What it, what it tells me is that we've, we've taught Americans how to be risk adverse. And yet when America started and for the first 150 or so years, Americans were all about taking risk. And instead, in the last 100 years, and specifically after you saw the Federal Reserve created, you started to see the consolidation of wealth like we'd never seen in American history. That consolidation of wealth is happening faster than ever in our lifetimes. And do you know who has the power to stop or at least change consolidation of wealth? The little guy. But the little guy has no power on his own. The little guy has to collectively come together to fight for what's right and what's good for the everyday person down on the street. And I think that there's a lot of things happening right now where we're all thinking differently about some of our preconceived notions and our ideology and our indoctrination in terms of some of the things as it relates to monetary policy. And we'll have different conversations about those in the future. But mainly what I, what I want us all to think about here today is just like we have to hold the politicians accountable for the outcomes, 
We have to do the same with business. We really do. I mean, Amazon has done some great things and made our lives a lot more convenient. And there's been a lot of opportunity for certain people that have come from that organization. And the same with Microsoft. And I'm not anti-business. I'm very pro-capitalism. But I'm not pro-crony capitalism. I am not pro-different rules for different organizations and different sizes. I'm not pro-let's-make-the-moat bigger and bigger and bigger for the big guy while we dwindle and, and really just get rid of the moat for the little guy. And that's what's happening. So again, we, in the Bible, it says all this stuff's going to happen. And yet it never tells us to stop fighting, to stop shining light, to stop speaking the truth. And so that's what I'm trying to do to the best of my ability. And when some of what I speak maybe turns out not to be the truth, I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. I'll be humble enough to come in and say, you know, I was wrong. And I hope that you will approach things the same way because that's what we have to do to move forward. We have to look at and, and humble ourselves and say what we've been doing isn't working in certain areas and we need to make a change. So anyways, I've gone long enough, 37 minutes today. I was thinking this would be just a five minute little, here's what we need to do in 2021. So in conclusion for the third time or so, uh, we got to organize. If you want to be a part of it, find a way to be a part of it. it. Doesn't have to be with me. Find somebody else that you that you believe in or whatever. But 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 say something, do something, take some action, and then we have to mobilize. Right? Get involved. Go to the meetings. Send in written comments. Do whatever. I mean, yeah, it's going to take sacrifice. We're all going to have to sacrifice, but we're there. If we don't, it's over. Right? And so I would encourage you, if, if, if you want to get involved or whatever, or you're not sure where to get involved, send me a message, send me a comment, wh whatever. Just, and it doesn't have to be me. Do it to somebody. But get behind something. and Let's, let's give it our all in 2021 because that is, that's how we change the outcomes of 2020 and 2021. And I would say, last thing for sure, above all of that, and I was texting with somebody yesterday, might have been the day before, and it's like, we can do all that. But I would say start off on your knees in prayer every day. I think if more than all of the other things, I do think it, it takes us actually using our hands and feet. But more than all of that, I think it takes being on our knees every single day, every single morning, praying that God would do a mighty work in this country, that God would do a mighty work in the world. And that he would open our eyes and that he would give us wisdom and understanding and discernment and perspective and knowledge that we would know. And then that he would give us courage to lead and to follow. So anyway, that's where I'm going to leave it today. I hope something in here inspired you, encouraged you, challenged you, spoke to you. If it did, please hit the like button. Please share this. Please believe in yourself and your ability to go out there and be a part of change. And I hope you have a happy new year. Hope you do something fun today. Hope you did something fun last night. Hope you had a great Christmas and I'll see you next time. Thanks.